Welcome to St. Augustine this evening, the Mike Davis Show. It is Wednesday, the 21st of February. We're glad you're with us. We have a great show for you. If you want to know why you're paying so much in taxes, I can tell you why tonight. <laughs> I can also tell you where all the money is not going. No, I can't. It's not going to be that good of a show, but it is going to be great. We've got a return guest with us, somebody who is an elected official here. We'll get to him in just a minute. But before we do that, we've got to make some money. Mm-hmm. And Amanda's with me today. So hey, we're going to do a few reads and make some money and then introduce our guest. So, so Stick. They were established in 2006. They're a local portable power company, proudly committed to American manufacturing, constant innovation, and creating jobs right here in St. Augustine, Florida. SolarStick's focus on providing solutions for self-sufficiency helps users all over the world complete missions and save lives. SolarStick, changing lives, saving lives, and reviving American manufacturing right here in the nation's oldest city. And Bozard, Ford, Lincoln, and St. Augustine. Their goal is to make sure your time and experience buying a car is stress-free, fun, and enjoyable. Bozard is a family-owned Ford dealership that has been in business since 1949. Bozard Ford has been the recipient of numerous dealer awards, including the best-ranked number one dealership in the nation by Dealer Raider. Bozard Ford also has won back-to-back President's Awards, which is the highest honor given by Ford Motor Company. Check them out today in person or online if you head on down there then stop by ford's garage and have a jiffy burger that's the only place in town you can't find troy's name on something all right opening their doors in 2008 brightway insurance the casey agency has proudly stood by their customers through hurricanes major floods hail and fires through these events the agency has become a much needed insurance resource in times of trouble and hardship honesty and integrity are the pillars of their core values says owner ashley casey they pride themselves on being insurance experts while developing strategies that help their clients meet their insurance needs they truly enjoy the relationships they have forged and the office has a real love for St. Augustine. Brightway Insurance, the Casey Agency for all of your insurance needs. Wait, Troy's name is on that Jiffy Burger. It doesn't just say 904 now. I misspoke. Back to you, Mike. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. I can't shake that dude. Like He's like that thing you can't get rid of. Although no one knows his name. <laughs> Tony, it's Tony. Tony Belvins. Uh, Amy Krusky and Associates, they're a full-service local CPA firm with a team of skilled professionals dedicated to providing top levels of service in the areas of tax compliance, planning for businesses, individuals, estates, and trusts. They can also do audits, reviews, or other accounting services. If you need a business valuation, forensic analysis, or litigation support, give Billy and Ken a call. 904-460-0747, abearkreskycpa.com. Mm-hmm. All right, great folks. They, they're amazing. We got awesome sponsors. And the Jackie Hurd calendar tells us that the 21st of February... Is West King Wednesday. Yes. Which is what, Amanda? So West Since King, I don't ever get out. <laughs> West King Wednesday is kind of like the first Friday of the West King area. So all of those local businesses stay open late. They invite you in. There's drinks. There's food. So go check them out. Help support local businesses in your area. Our friends at Sailbird Distilling, they're going to be um, featuring their moonshine. Moonshine is new for Sailbird Distilling. So check them out, too. That will be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Our guest today is our property appraiser, Eddie Creamer. Eddie has been the property appraiser for seven years. So a lot years, of years. Which means it's year eight, which he's running for re-election again. Congratulations. Thank you, Mike. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having it's me. Good, it's good, it's good to, to see you back. Always and, good to see you. Yes. And so uh, you do not collect the taxes. However, you do help Dennis Hollingsworth figure out how much to charge people. 
I do. Our yes. office, I tell people, we do not collect taxes. We're not involved in that process. Uh, we are, we're innocent in that. In fact, the Bible doesn't talk about us all. It does talk about the tax collector, but not the property appraiser. But not the property appraiser. Now, you, you guys, uh, and you've, you've uh, had a great office run before you got there. You got there, made some great changes to it. You've done some amazing things. I read your bio. And man, are there some, I, there are some, I didn't pay my people who did my bio on my online enough money. This is great in here. Yeah, for someone who's known me for 27 <laughs> years, you could like pick it apart. Got the stuff I've learned about you. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you're, you're a Floridian. You grew up in West Florida. Yeah, I grew up in Port St. Joe, Florida, uh, born and raised there. I'm a third generation Floridian. Both my uh, grandparents, maternal and paternal, uh, migrated to Port St. Joe in the 30s from Georgia and Alabama, where mm-hmm. a lot of people were coming at the time. So. Yeah. And so you're from the area Amanda's from. Just for the yep. record, mm-hmm. you never dated. I'm guessing I'm a lot older than Amanda and came along. You should have watched yesterday's show. It's not going to die, y'all. It's not going to die. Did you ever get a security clearance and use Amanda as your reference? I did not. Okay. She was bragging about that yesterday. Unequivocally, I did not. You try and tell a non-controversial story in this room and it's not going to work out. doesn't work well. It doesn't. You should not tell non-controversial. You should tell controversial stories that everyone wants to forget and then it will be over. That way you can make him blush first and he can't make you blush. (laughs) Yeah, you can fact check those answers. It is so true. true. It is so true. Now, I know you don't don't know uh, Amanda at all, so we're just joking about that. But, um, But you came here through banking, right? Yeah, I came here, uh, my family and I moved here in 1997 through banking. Uh, I I was a banker for 35 years. Mm -hmm. That was my uh, primary career. And uh, along that time, I had got to know a group of people that were former, were were, uh, bankers and some other sort of businesses involved in banking technology, Mm -hmm. especially. And that group purchased uh, Prosperity Bank here in St. Augustine and reached out to me. And about a year after they purchased Prosperity, uh, we packed up as the uh, Beverly Hillbillies from the Panhandle and we moved to St. Augustine. Yeah. And then Prosperity eventually became Ameris. Yeah. And Prosperity. for f- full disclosure, uh, they, uh, Prosperity was our, has been our bank for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just it, it just let everybody know and everybody know this not, but just trying to be honest with everyone. So, yeah. Prosperity was a lot of people's bank. Yeah. And uh, we had a good run. Uh, we sold to Ameris in 2013. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, at a time when banks were getting bigger, um, I, and, you know, and I was a Barnett client, right? I think it changed names like three or four times in a couple of years. Um, so when you, when you look at that, right, it just, it was nice that Prosperity was still the hometown bank. Right, it was st- the, all the locals that used to work for a lot of other banks that got gobbled up by bigger banks. Uh, a lot of them ended up with you, and it was a it was a lot of fun to go to to go do business down there. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun to be at Prosperity. We had a great group of people. Uh, we grew organically to one of the top. We were in the top ten largest banks in Florida. We were always in the top mm-hmm. five most profitable in Florida, and uh, we did that all organically uh, from customers in St. Augustine, basically, and the markets that we served around here. That and that and you guys did did a great job at it. So as well, and so then you decided uh, banking wasn't enough excitement for you. You wanted to run for public office. Yeah, banking. Thirty five years in banking was a that was a good career for me. And as you remember as uh, very well in the business you're in, two thousand and eight for the uh, construction industry, the banking industry, the world kind of ended. Uh, I'm and, still in therapy, by the way. Thank you for yeah, bringing well, that painful memory up. <laughs> occasionally, I have to do therapy too. And at the same, the, the regulatory approach to that was yeah. very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all our fault. We caused it, uh, and so they forced 
the regulations, the regulators forced the consolidation of a number of banks. Uh, we actually made it through the recession, made it out the other side, and was able to do our own deal uh, to sell a bank, which is very good for our shareholders and for most of our employees. But after that stretch of time from 2008 to 2011, really, it was like this is not, uh, you know, if the government's going to be that involved in everything you do and blame you for everything you mm -hmm. do, then this is not probably a long-term business for us. No, it was not, it was not a fun time at all. My, my saying on the whole thing was the big banks realized they had an opportunity to squash the little banks. They did. So they went to the government and said, we were bad. If you just implement this series of rules and regulations, which won't hurt us, but it will cripple our smaller competition, mm -hmm. uh, we'll behave ourselves next time. Yeah, I can talk about that period of time and get very angry because, it, you know, FDIC rates banks. Our bank always enjoyed the very highest rating mm -hmm. uh, that we could receive. And then the economy went south and, you know, everything that happened was our fault. And the primary member of Congress who was passing all the regulations to help the big banks was Barney Frank, Senator uh, mm -hmm. Frank Dodd-Bill, right? Yeah. Dodd-Frank. Mm -hmm. And now we know Barney went on to become a bank director, was paid oh, over a million dollars a year by Signature Bank in New York, who, mm -hmm. by the way, failed a couple of years ago. So, Will you go into was. the bollocks room and mm -hmm. bring a couple of bottles of bourbon in here? If we're going to continue this discussion, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Frank needed to, to be in charge of a bank so he can hide all that money he was getting from his basement business, right? Yeah, not not a fan of Dodd Frank, not a fan of any of that period of time. Ah. It was good. We learned a lot. What they say is, uh, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Or crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, what made you run for office the first time? You know, it's uh, once once we sold the bank, I continued to work as a regional president for Ameris Bank, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I enjoyed that role, but it was not something that I knew I wanted to do for the rest of my life, for the rest of my career. So there was a, you know, we considered retiring. And, you know, as, as Bobby Bowden used to say, there's only one thing that comes after retirement and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and I'd always had a very keen interest in politics early in my life. I was very active uh, as a committee man uh, where I grew up uh, and working on some campaigns during that time. So I thought, you know, this may be a good time here in this county to take a look at that. Uh, as you probably know by knowing me, I am not a good uh, legislator. I'm more of an administrator, mm -hmm. uh, do a process and get it done. So the constitutional office seemed to make a lot more sense for me. And when you translate or kind of compare what you do in banking to a constitutional office, property appraiser was kind of the closest thing because you're dealing with real estate, you're assessing real estate. And in banking, you're loaning to, you know, against real estate and mm -hmm. determining values that way. So it seemed like a good fit. Well, and, and what I'm about to say, I include you in this this group, and it's a, it's a broad, big statement. But uh, as somebody who grew up in St. John's County, who's lived here uh, most of my whole life other than college and a few years when I was a kid, um, St. John's County has always been blessed to have very good constitutional officers. And I, I include you in that. I mean, I think of uh, Dennis Hollingsworth is retiring, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I got the letter and, and I said, I campaigned in his first campaign. Wow. And they said, how old were you? I said, I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Right? Said, That's how long he's been in office, right? And Dennis has done a phenomenal job. We've had some just some great, wonderful people. And that's been a blessing to our community, especially when you look at the growth in the community, right? I mean, we had some good people that did it the right way. Um, but but even when I say that, and, and Sharon Outland, I, I really like Sharon a lot. I knew her husband, uh, Tony, well. Um, but you went into her office and you didn't just go, hey, I'm going to leave it here. You immediately said, hey, let's see if we can do some different things. Yeah. And constitutional officers, yes, we're politicians and yes, we have to run for office, but we have a specific function that we have to perform as defined by the Florida Constitution. 
and that function has to be performed. It has to be form, performed against a certain time frame and calendar under statutes every year. And so we are constantly working against a, a scorecard to make sure that we have done what we're supposed to do. Uh, so we're not passing legislation. Uh, we are not amending or changing things. We are basically enforcing the Constitution as it relates to our constitutional office, which in our case, property appraiser is <coughs> excuse me is creation of the tax roll. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and so going into the office, uh, you know, as you said, we have great constitutional officers, but also realized. St. John's County was beginning to grow again after the recession and was beginning to grow at a pretty rapid clip. And you could see that coming even faster with building permits and, and plats of land and, and that sort of thing. So it was a good opportunity to go in and lay a foundation that could accommodate the growth, uh, perform the constitutional mandate of the office without creating additional cost to the taxpayer. Mm -hmm. uh, relative to that growth. And too many times, in, in, especially in government, growth becomes a crutch for inefficiency and waste. And growth has to be a catalyst for efficiency and innovation. Mm -hmm. And too many times in government, we don't look at it that way. So it was a great time to come in and be able to innovate, to get ahead of the growth, to be able to actually reduce cost, but still handle what was coming down the road in the county. Well, and, I, and I've given accolades to all of our uh, longstanding constitutional officers, right? But And one of the challenges, though, when you do that, and it's a challenge for me as somebody who has been in the construction industry for as long as I have, is is to not rest on that, well, we've always done it this way. Oh, that's right? right. We've always yeah. done it this way. Well, we don't, we don't want to change that because we've never done it that way before, right? But there's so many changes that have come along throughout society and, and business and how we do things. And so trying to incorporate the good ones without getting hung up on the bad ones and without saying, no, we're not going to do anything new. Um, I mean, we, we run into that. We, we see certain suppliers or vendors or subcontractors. No, we're not changing that. But you know, if you just got email, it'd be easier, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. If you, if you just did that, it'd be great. Um, so I, I think that's kind of that challenge. And when you get someone new that comes in, it's an opportunity to go, okay, we can reevaluate everything with a fresh look and a fresh lens. Yeah, absolutely. And I was very, very fortunate early in my career. Uh, my degree, my education, so I'm an mm -hmm. accountant. But out of college, my first job was at a major textile manufacturing uh, company called Millican and & Company. And I was an industrial engineer. I was trained and certified as an industrial engineer. And what we did was time and motion studies and process improvement studies on particular jobs in a plant. Mm -hmm. So we were always looking at something in from three basic questions that we asked. So if they sent me out into the yarn mill to do a time and motion study on the spinners, you know, the questions we asked first was, what do you do? Mm -hmm. We had to learn, what do you do? So we actually would spend a third of the study following them to determine what they did. And then usually on a lunch break, we would ask, why? Why do you do that? Why are you doing these steps? And there's always good answers to that. You know, I was trained that way. We have to do this. This is quality. But then you come run into, well, we've always done it that way. Yeah. So you kind of scratch that one off the list. We're not going to do that anymore. And then the other thing you run into is, well, I'm not sure why I do it. I just, I just do it. And so you kind of scratch that one off the list. And then the third question then we would ask is, okay, how do we do it? So then take the steps that you knew you had to do, and then how do we do it, and look for efficiencies in doing that. And I've always approached either the bank or now the property appraiser's office in the same way. It's what do we do, why do we do it, now how do we do it? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's it. So what are the, the changes you implemented eight years ago? And you've kind of been following through on since then. Yeah, so initially when, when I took office, our office was assessing just over 136,000 parcels in the county. Mm -hmm. And the value of the tax roll was just over $31 billion. 
Okay, so this year in a working tax roll, we're assessing 176,000 parcels. So the parcel count is up almost 30 percent during mm-hmm. that period of time. Uh, the tax roll, uh, as opposed to the 31 billion in 2017, is now 83 billion dollars. So it's up 165 percent. So what we did was step forward from the days when an appraiser was in the field in a car with a camera and a uh, tape measure Mm -hmm. uh, to using tools like high-resolution aerial photography that gives us multiple views of the property, that resolution to the point that we can actually measure the home uh, accurate within four inches, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Uh, Building permits from the building department. Probably $30 of that growth in the role is new construction. So when I got into the office, one one of the first things I saw was on Friday afternoon, they would bring these red wagons over like you and I had when Mm -hmm. we were kids, and they'd be loaded with building plans. <laughs> and it's like, what is that? Well, those are building plans. It's, well, what are we doing with them? Well, we're adding these properties to the role. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there's got to be a better way, right? Mm-hmm. So we created an interface to the building department. So we now get those plans electronically. We can queue them up. Uh, and the appraisers can start adding that way. And then we're not shredding paper, keeping paper, unrolling these big plans uh, that do that. We implemented a high-resolution street-level imagery mm-hmm. with a company called Cyclomedia. And every two years, uh, Cyclomedia drives our county. Uh, it's like Google uh, Street View on steroids. It's just for our county. Uh, it's extremely high resolution. It is uh, GPS indexed. Uh, there's, I can't, the, the millions of pixels that the cameras capture are just incredible. We can zoom in on the paint on a house and tell if it's peeling. Mm-hmm. So for inspections on the properties that we can see for that. Uh, we put in a, a change detection software that uses our aerial photography, our sketches, and our maps to overlay, check properties. And so uh, any property that's had a change of more than 5% uh, in covered area, perhaps it was a demolition that we need to get off the roll, or it was something added that we mm-hmm. missed a permit, uh, then we can check those, you know, fill checks for that. We uh, actually use drones to supplement uh, our photography. We use drones a lot for uh, damage assessment, uh, but drones are also very helpful in ag because uh, we do annual inspections on all our ag properties, and many times it's less intrusive to the farmer, and it's a lot easier for us just to fly the drone out and make sure that it's still fenced and the cattle are still there mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, that with just changing, looking at every process how we did everything and changing that if it made sense to make it more efficient. Probably the Biggest thing we did, Mike, is we we did a total revamp on our website. We took all the information that we use for assessment and we pushed it to the website. So mm-hmm. anybody can go look at it, uh, their property address, all the information we have, what we use to assess is there, including the photography. We mm-hmm. push it out for, for them to see. And we also did a online homestead application. Uh, application. And we get about 12, we, we take every year on average about 12,000 new homestead exemption applications. Mm-hmm. And now about 65% of those are done online. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, that's 7,000 applications that did not have to come into the office, did not have to be inconvenienced um, you know, to come in. And if you don't want to come in, you, I mean, if you don't want to do it online, you still want to come in, that's great. We'll, we'll take care of you that way too. Well, and as a builder, I love the, we didn't have to turn an extra set of plans. Because early building career, there was three sets. There was the building department set. There was a set you got back. And then there was the set that you printed and you never saw again because it went to the property appraiser's office. office. 
And I'm like, well, there goes a set that somebody will look at once and then it gets tossed. Yeah, we had big room. Well, we had these big rooms that you wouldn't want to walk into because all these plans were stacked in there. And it's like, why are we keeping those? Well, in case we need them. It's like, why would you ever need them? The house is complete. It's on the ground. Yeah. If you need to go out and measure it, go measure it. Yeah. Which we don't need to do that anymore. So No. Well, and the other thing, uh, that in the early days, we would always have to call to get a tax ID number, right? The property tax ID. And, and you had to call. You had to call over to get staff. Once that went online, it was great. Um, now there's a big note. Don't use anything on this form, which I want to ask you why that's there. Right? Well, the one thing that we want to caution people not to use is legal descriptions. Because our legal description is basically pulled from the deed. Mm-hmm. But many deeds are so long. Yes. We can only snippet the legal description. Yes. So we want you to, each, you know, you can go to the bottom of the page and you can link to the actual deed. Mm-hmm. to get the legal description. So we're cautious that we don't want folks to use the legal description. The addresses are accurate. Obviously, we obtained that information from 911 addressing. Uh, but the legal description can be touchy. The other thing that we run into more and more that we're trying to prevent is not to be you know critical or negative of any industry, but too many times insurance underwriters will go to our website and they'll try to use that information to either raise the premium on an individual um, or cancel their insurance. And that's Can we just block the them from getting to your website? Yeah, that's just not the purpose of the website. You know, back in the day when you and I got our homeowners insurance, yeah. the agent went out and took pictures of it, right? There, yes. You know, and I know there's more to do now, but our website is not a good place for the insurance underwriter to rely on to end up raising a premium or canceling um, yeah. that. So. Well, they seem to be really good at figuring out how to raise the premium. But they were good at raising mine this year. They're exceptionally was, yes. good at yeah. that. They were, they were very good at it. I, I thought bankers were bad at charging people. Insurance companies have gotten good at that. They've gotten really good. Yeah. Really, really good. I say good. that in the kindest way. Because I understand <laughs> what insurance companies face in Florida as well. It's not a different, It's not a, an easy environment to write in. No, it's not an easy environment to write in. And if you go through some of the hurricanes we've gone through, yes. right? We had a 12-year really good run with no hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And then the last few years have not been kind to us. No. And, and, and hurricanes, northeasters, mm-hmm. the whole thing that gets our coast. Floods. Yeah. yeah. We should have read the Ashley Casey uh, Brightview insurance thing today because we could have covered all of those. We did. Yeah. What do we read? I did. All the covered perils. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah, so, you know, putting those things out there actually have allowed us, uh, you know, and I'm a, as a banker and accountant, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a metrics guy. Mm-hmm. I, I have to measure it. I have to know where we are. Mm-hmm. In 2016, we had 2,700 parcels per employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we have 3,800 parcels per employee, so each employee now is responsible for, on average, 1,100 more parcels. It cost us in 2016 or 2017 $39.70 per parcel for the process. Today it costs us $36.54 per parcel, so mm-hmm. about $3 less. And if you multiply that by the 39000 uh, increase in parcels, that's significant savings to the taxpayer. Uh, 2017, there were 52 employees. Today, we have 40 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, at that time, we had 12 vehicles because they were in the field all the time. And today, we have five vehicles that they don't get used nearly as much as, you know, they would in the past, which mm-hmm. is safer for my staff. 
it's more convenient for the property owners because people aren't out traipsing around in their yard, knocking on their door when they're not home and their kids are home for school and that kind of thing. So oh, as a kid, that was the one thing. Or if the property appraiser comes knocking, you're not. Don't let him in the house. <laughs> yeah. Just close, turn the lights turn off. Turn the lights off. The if you see the property appraiser pull up, hide. Right. It's like, what if the police come? Oh, you can let them in, but not the property appraiser. So we we've almost totally eliminated dog bites. Yes. Employees right? <laughs> now they don't want to feel as much. We haven't had a bite in probably five years. So. Oh, there goes the jinx. <laughs> there goes the announcer jinx. Before the show is over, you will be getting a call. Oh, hopefully not. I hope not. We did have a few dog bites, but. So yeah. I have kind of a random question. With all of that um, high-def photography that you're taking, aerial photography, street view photography, do you ever catch people, like, out in their yards? Actually not. No? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, we do catch people if you are yeah. out in their yards. But when the photography is ran, the aerial photography, the angles of the aerial photography, it would be very hard to identify a person. And that's also okay. taken from about 2,500 feet in the air. All right. The so if you're, if you're naked sunbathing in. in the backyard, well, we the property appraiser's not going to see it? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, the street level imagery, once that is ran, it is QC'd and ran through filters. Okay. And it's ran through filters for a couple of things. One is the state of Florida allows for certain property owners to have protected status. Okay. So their addresses are not published. Yep. So in those particular uh, cases, those images are left off the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is if it captures an individual or a tag, okay. and you'll see uh, it blurs. Right. So it will blur the individual, and it will blur the, the tag number, if you will, on the vehicle. Okay. So, so Mike, uh, your naked sunbathing is safe. Yeah, and the other thing, and I actually <laughs> tested this out. We have this plastic Santa Claus <laughs> that we have had since my oldest son was just a baby, and we mm-hmm. put this Santa Claus out every year. And the first time the street level was done, I was looking at our house in particular, and I pulled it up, and I said, well, I know when they drove. It was you know, kind of the week of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and I zoomed in on the house, and the plastic Santa Claus by the front door had his face blurred. Oh, so wow. the software had actually recognized that as potentially a person and had blurred the, uh, That's funny. the, uh, the face. So, no, we do not, we do not okay. capture that. All right. No, I, I think that I think that's really amazing, that, that technology. Uh, roofers, right? So in our industry... Roofers are using that satellite technology. We would call them. They would go out, have to climb on the roof, measure the roof. Now we'll call them and give them an address, and, and in less than 15 minutes, we'll get a report back that says this is how many square feet is on the roof. This is the lineal footage of gutters. This yeah. is the lineal footage of, of um, uh, trim that you'll need. I, it's, it's amazing what you can now do. And people are like, I don't want to be spied on. Well, it's not spy. It's just it, it's yeah. public, right? You can get it. Yes, yeah, but it, it's just it's it's very interesting how much information is out there on a house. So uh, somebody that is trying to get excluded or a protected status, what's the process they have to go through to do that? So there's an application that's mm-hmm. filed. They file that in our office. They can uh, go online and get the application, file it online, or they can come into the office. If you file it online, it has to be notarized. When you apply it, the application lists the 16 or 20 uh, statutorily covered mm-hmm. uh, professions or court order type things that will allow for protected status. And so when the application comes in, we protect the, the property. So if I need protection from Davey, <laughs> who is on the show, 
Is that one of the 20 items? I, you know, I would have to look. I don't remember seeing protection from Davy as being as one of the... Uh, there is a block, I think, that says other. So if you wanted to oh, describe... Like other? Uh, yeah. I thought uh, that applied to Troy. <laughs> I seriously thought that applied Perhaps to Troy. Tony Belvin. Tony yeah, Belvin. You could describe that uh, under other, and I don't know, maybe you'd get lucky. No. Uh, uh, you, but you mentioned it cut staff. You've cut the number of vehicles. Um, which has got to be a huge savings, especially with what vehicles cost today. Oh gosh, yeah, and what gasoline cost? Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, vehicle maintenance, gasoline, uh, that sort of thing, by cutting the number of vehicles, it's uh, significantly reduced the cost there, which goes to our cost mm-hmm. per parcel. And it's also if we don't, you know, anytime someone's driving on the road in a vehicle, there is a risk there. Mm-hmm. There's a risk to them, and there's a risk to others if they're not totally engaged in what they're doing in the car. Uh, so that's been a that's been a big savings to us, and plus for our appraisers, for the most part, they enjoy the 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 ability to do what they need to do from their desktop with the monitors that they have. And there's you know there's a number of properties in the county that they can't see from a desktop, mm-hmm. and so now they're able to kind of logically every couple of weeks schedule those thirty or forty properties, mm-hmm. go out in the field with another pro- or another appraiser and visit those properties. Uh, and I was looking at the the cost per parcel. To, to deal with it, process it, and all those things. Um, I know that you're not working in the Biden administration because it's not up like 45% over the last eight years. So I know that you are a, not part of the Biden administration. We're not. And, you know, one of the things I looked at early on is if the county grows at the clip it's growing and the office just maintains itself like it had been, the budget would have tripled in that period of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that is the best use of of taxpayers' money uh, to fund our office for that level of inefficiency. So that creates what I mentioned earlier, the innovation. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty confident now where we are now. Uh, that cost per parcel will continue to drop. Yes. Uh, our budget this year did not budget any new positions. Our mm-hmm. budget for 24-25 will not budget new positions. Okay. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> one of the things we're doing, our office, the software we use is called CAMA. Uh, computer-assisted mass appraisal. And our office uh, uses a product from Thompson Reuters, and that product has been used in our office for 19 years. So it's like your 19-year-old pickup truck that you have patched up and and uh, put some Bondo in and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So we're in the process of converting to a new CAMA system because we have absolutely stretched the existing one um, to its limit. But in converting to the new camera system, one of the benefits of it is we will not maintain it in-house any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be uh, maintained in the Amazon cloud, so we will not have to have servers, uh, the equipment that goes along with that to maintain that or the connections to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a big benefit going forward because, you know, well, you're next door to us, right? Mm-hmm. We're not in the best place in St. John's County should we have a major hurricane. Mm-mm. And the county's tax roll resides on the second floor of the building, uh, next door, I'm going to feel a lot better when that resides in a hardened bunker, uh, you know, somewhere in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, at, a, at an Amazon facility. As and long as it's <clears throat> not in a bathroom server in Colorado, we'll all be okay. Oh, it will not, and <laughs> it, it will, will all be, be okay. Uh, and it will be backed up in a secondary Amazon yeah. facility. The other thing it will help us do is we learned during COVID, you know, for a period of time that we could not come into the office, so mm-hmm. you're kind of limited during that period of time. So we uh, made the investment internally, in uh, a, a program called Microsoft Teams, uh, and that coupled with the camera system um, in Amazon Web Services, we're basically, not basically, 
we will be fully able to work from wherever we are. <laughs> Excuse mm-hmm. me, from wherever we are. So if something happened again, they says, okay, guys, you cannot go in the office for the next week. We'll send everybody home. They can answer their phones. They can do their assessments. They can access everything they need from mm-hmm. wherever they can have an internet connection. Yeah. And I think that could be important as we go down the road mm-hmm. as well. Um, looking at your sheet, and I can't see all the numbers from here, but you've got agriculture, commercial, multifamily, right, and then residential. Um, which of those has increased the most well, in value over the time that, you, that you've been there? Yeah, obviously it's residential. Our mm-hmm. county is a residential mm-hmm. county. We're a combination of a bed, <coughs> excuse me, a bedroom community to Duval County. Yep. Uh, residents who live and work here, and people who are moving in to retire. So our residential uh, role was $24.6 billion in 2016. It's $67.8 billion uh, working this year. Mm-hmm. So that's increased almost 175%. Yeah. So that's where the majority comes. Compare that to commercial, has increased $5.1 billion. So residential has increased eight times, mm-hmm. eight times more than commercial. I was thinking that if I was Amanda, I would get you some water. Thank you. And she just, she's amazing. Thank you, Amanda. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, Julie and I had a cold, and it's, uh, it's either the pollen or the cold. Yeah. It's just that little bit that hangs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the pollen. This is the worst pollen year I think yeah. I've ever. I was telling somebody I washed the car like three weeks ago, and there was no pollen at all. And I, and I swear it was like uh, William Wallace was in the pollen in the oak trees. Hold! Hold, and as soon as I finished washing the cars and walked inside, now, right, and it all just, I walked out the next morning, you could have written your name on any of the, the, the windshields. The I was next like, Thank morning you. is just a nice light. Ah. Yeah. So that's probably it, too, because I go out, I love to grill out, so I'll go out. The first thing you do is, like, clean the pollen off yep. the grill, right, and then it starts all over. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, this has just been a really bad pollen. Yeah. It's been cold. It's been wet. There's a lot of pollen. Uh, yeah. What is the, the value? You said you went from $31 billion, um and assessed by $87 billion on the tax rate. What's been the increase in revenue to the county? So over that same period of time is, you know, as you and I both know, if our taxes go up every year in the mm-hmm. absence of rollback, mm-hmm. and rollback basically is the taxing authority's ability to roll back or lower millage rates to control the growth in money coming in, uh, perhaps and keep it in line with inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not had rollback. Um, during that period of time. So if you take that increase and annualize it, uh, right now for just, for instance, the county general fund, that's $146 million a year in additional Mm -hmm. dollars coming into the county. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 146. And that, you know, that differs a little bit. The school system, you would generally calculate it the same way, except on the 3% uh, I'm sorry, on the $50,000 homestead exemption, mm-hmm. only 25000 of that exempts the property owner from school taxes. Mm-hmm. So 25000 of your 50000 has school taxes applied to it. Yeah. And then the 10% non-homestead cap, which is the businesses and the, mm-hmm. uh, in our county and the apartment complexes and rental properties, that 10% cap does not apply to school millages. Mm-hmm. So the, the revenue coming into the schools is significantly higher than that. I don't like to use the re- word revenue for government. The money coming into the is, um, is the significantly taxes. higher. The yeah. taxes, yeah, yeah, is money. Revenue is different. Yes, it is. <laughs> you switched back to business there for just yeah, a second. Yeah, revenue is different. Um, so uh, out of kind of out of those, you're, you're collecting um, all of that. So the county then takes your money. When is your projection due for budget purposes to to the commissioners? 
So we or staff, I should say. Yeah. So we operate uh, our tax year in Florida begins on January first. Florida's a January first assessment state. Mm-hmm. So everything we do, exemptions, values, is based on use, ownership, and condition as of January first. Mm-hmm. So the assessment calendar starts through that process. The first critical date to remember is homestead exemption. So the deadline to file homestead exemption is March first. And our valuation is ongoing through that period. The second critical date is if you're a business owner, your tangible personal property tax return is due April 1st. And then on June 1st, we submit, uh, it's called a first uh, estimate, basically, a first submission of our tax roll Mm -hmm. to the Florida Department of Revenue. And simultaneously, we submit that to the taxing authorities in the county, all the taxing authorities. And that starts the budgeting process for the taxing authorities, and it starts a review, <laughs> excuse me, a review process for the Florida Department of Revenue. Mm-hmm. So all 67 tax rolls in Florida are submitted to the Department of Revenue for evaluation in the month of June. And the Department of Revenue does a full evaluation of the tax rolls, and they're, you know, they're making sure there's consistency from county to county, that you're meeting certain ratios, that you're qualifying sales that mm-hmm. should be qualified etc. Yeah. And then sometime in that 30 days, the uh, Department of Revenue will advance the role. It's called, basically, they approve the role. And then July 1st, we submit that back to the taxing authorities as a final role. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, there's usually little or no change in that role. Most of the questions we used to get back from DOR is, why did you disqualify this sale? Or why did you qualify that sale? Because they actually look at every sale in the county that we've qualified or disqualified Mm -hmm. for the reasons to make sure they agree with that. And so once they advance that, then we send it back to the county, and they can begin moving towards finalizing their their millage estimates. Mm -hmm. uh, Because at the same time, we're moving towards trim, Mm -hmm. or truth and millage. Mm -hmm. And so truth and millage, uh, those statements for us are usually mailed the second week in August, around that time. And so a week or so before that, the taxing authorities have to have approved their tentative millage rates. Mm -hmm. Uh, to be included on the trim notice. And, and that's the big form that says this is not a bill. This is not a bill, but it's uh-huh. the most It's important. okay to cry, but it's not a bill yet. <laughs> but it is by far the most important property tax document you will receive mm-hmm. uh, each year on your property. Yeah. It shows you your valuation from our office. It shows mm-hmm. you what last year's valuation was. It shows you the projected millage rates. It shows you what your taxes and millage rates were last year. And that center column shows you what the rollback rate is. Mm-hmm. And basically what that's telling you is this is the millage rate the taxing authorities would have to charge to collect the same money this year as they did last year Yeah, okay, as a starting point. And then it also shows exemptions and caps mm-hmm. that you have. It also triggers the taxpayer's 25-day appeal period. So during that 25 days, they can file an appeal with the Value Adjustment Board if we disagree on value or if we disagree uh, whether or not someone qualified mm-hmm. for an exemption, they can get that appeal filed okay. uh, for that. Uh, also, during that period of time, w- after July 1st, we mm-hmm. can't change the tax roll that's locked. Our our appraisers can't change the tax roll. And it's locked until trim. Once trim goes out, we can token the roll back up. And if we you know, talk with the taxpayer, there's something that can be changed, we can make that change. Okay. And then at the end of trim, the tax roll locks again. Uh, we cannot make changes to it at that point. And basically, at the end of trim, which is mid-September, we actually roll to the following year mm-hmm. and start adding new construction that we already have the permits for. Mm-hmm. That a bit what well, that was completed. Yes. Excuse me during this year, and then after trim, 
we can't change the tax roll mm-hmm. uh, because it's being forwarded into the tax collector to prepare the bills yeah. to go out in November. Yeah. At homestead exemption, there was a time when you had to go in and file it every single year. You do not have to, once you've applied for you only file now if you're going to change that status. Correct. You only, homestead exemption is automatically renewed. That's actually a county option. And obviously mm-hmm. we opt to automatically mm-hmm. renew you because we don't want to force you to come back and reapply every year. So does Miami-Dade make everyone come back? They do not. Most counties now, I'm not aware of a county that requires reapplication. That would be crazy. That would be horrible. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it would be horrible for the citizens and horrible for the property appraisers <laughs> yeah. uh, in Miami-Dade. Yeah. So the only time that you would change is a change in status. Mm-hmm. Generally, we know that, and you don't have to reapply. So a change in status is going to be you sell the property, you mm-hmm. apply for homestead somewhere else. Uh, there's a death, there's a divorce, uh, the property's transferred into a trust mm-hmm. or something like that is a change in status. And we usually are picking that up from the sources of data that we have mm-hmm. to look at that. Uh, exemptions for homestead. Uh, we kind of talk about this all the time. There, there, we started with one exemption, and then we kind of added quite a few. So how many are we up to now? Well, there are a number of exemptions of exemptions in addition to homestead. Homestead mm-hmm. is the gateway. Yep. So you have to have homestead for the others. Mm-hmm. So in the homestead exemption, there is a low-income senior exemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, the low-income senior exemption is your adjusted gross income cannot exceed an amount set by the state of Florida every year. This year, it's right around $37,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the just market value of your property can't exceed $250,000. That pretty much eliminates most people. In Everybody on the county. waterfront's gone. Yeah, uh, for the low-income senior. And then there's a long-term low-income senior, which mm-hmm. is the same criteria, but if you've been homesteaded for 25 years, you are totally exempt from taxation Okay. Uh, with the same criteria. Mm-hmm. And then there are a number of veterans' exemptions. The veterans' exemptions are generally uh, disability, combat-related disability exemptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to us here because of the National Guard and, and people deploy. Mm-hmm. And so there's a deployed service members. Uh, basically, it's not an exemption, but it's a credit for taxes for the period while they're deployed. If they're deployed in a uh, State Department uh, recognized mission, which most of them are, they deploy for. Uh, and then there's some disability exemptions, civilian disability exemptions. You know, they generally require either total blindness or 100%, 100% uh, confined to a wheelchair mm-hmm. to obtain those. Yeah. Um, and that's generally uh, the exemptions that are available now. Yeah. Uh, there's some first responder exemptions that pass in the line of duty. Uh, Which I think we're all good. I mean, yeah. we've uh, most of those we voted on as citizens, and it's kind of, you know, you look at it, you really like it to be a clean, simple system, but then somebody brings up one... They're yeah. deployed. Yeah, we need to do that one. So you, you're kind of, you're, you're looking at it going, yeah, there's a really good reason for that. I'm good. Well, you were getting ready to push a button, so I didn't know. You guys are talking, so I'm trying <laughs> to keep the cameras on whoever's <laughs> talking. Yeah. All right. Yeah, homestead exemption, obviously, is extremely important, especially with values going up. And people say, well, I really want that $50,000 deduction in my assessed value is important. And yes, it is. In our county, it saves you about $650 mm-hmm. a year. The most important thing you get is a 3% cap on the amount your assessed value mm-hmm. can go up each year. Yeah. And so the assessed values in our county up 165% over six years. Mm-hmm. Your 3% cap has been really important to you over the last six years. Yes. Yeah, because it, it can't, I mean, we, we talk about this and you mentioned a couple of times without the rollback, the county's essentially, I mean, everybody's getting a 3% bump every year. Pretty much. Uh, and so when you get a 3% bump every year, you're paying 3% more in taxes. And so the rollback would be nice. We just 
haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and the statute says it's the lower of the cost of living index mm -hmm. or 3%. Yeah. My first three years in office, the cost of living index was actually lower than 3%. Yeah. Hasn't been since then and probably won't be for some time in the future. So. I, as long as people are continuing to move to Florida at the rate they're moving, yeah. I don't see it. There's such a demand for, for new housing. Mm -hmm. you know, people say, well, we're building a lot of houses here. Yes, we are, but you don't see many of them standing vacant. There's just such a demand for the housing. Well, there was a study done by one of the home builders. Uh, I saw it probably around 2020, 2019, 2018, somewhere before, before COVID. And it showed a graph of where housing should be, right? And then because the downturn was so severe in 2008 and 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, that even with the uptick, there was still a delta between houses that had been built over that time period, so it's 12, 15 years, and houses that should have been built. And that's what made it even worse when people decided to move to Florida and there were no houses available. Yeah, and there's, if you just statistically, when they look at, you know, what will be the demand for new houses, they use household formation. Mm -hmm. So how many new households are forming translates into demand for housing units. And over the past uh, probably 12 or 15 years, the construction industry has underserved the demand for housing by almost 50%. Mm -hmm. So there's a backlog Mm -hmm. of housing to be available when it causes two things. One, it causes the price to go up, uh, but it also causes building to increase pretty dramatically. And, mm -hmm. you know, building in St. John's County has increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a couple of times a year, I'm with the other property appraisers in the, uh, in the state. We are not the only county in the state that's experiencing a rapid increase in building of residential units. Are you grateful you're not in charge of the villages? I have, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was visiting my friend, uh, Mike Twitty, who's the Pinellas County property appraiser. Yeah. Mike educated me. Pinellas County is the most densely populated county in Florida, mm -hmm. a million people in a very small area, mm -hmm. and the county is basically built out. There's no more land. Now, there's a lot of 30 and 40 story high rise condominiums, mm -hmm. which I think we're fortunate not to have. But yes. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. You know, Dade County, Orange County, Alachua County. Uh, Lake County, little county I grew up in, Gulf County. Uh, they're building new houses over there yeah. at, a, at a pretty rapid Well, way. people have decided they want to live someplace nice. Yeah. Th this winter hasn't exactly been the best Florida winter, but it's yeah. been a lot better than uh, last week it was Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, better than Chicago. Yeah, it's much better than True. Chicago. Uh, so I want to give you accolades. One of the things I read on the website, um, and when I first read it, it said you're uh, one of the top 60 counties. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, there's only 67 in the state of Florida. Not much of a bar. Not much of a bar. Wow. Way to put that on the website. And then I realized it was counties for the entire country, right. of which there's 3,143. So being a top 60 county is pretty impressive. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, you know, our office has kind of two uh, oversight yeah. bodies, if you will. One is the state of Florida Department of Revenue which the statutes and how we do things. And then the International Association of Assessing Officers is the process and procedure and the valuation oversight of how mm -hmm. we appraise uh, and how mass appraisal should be done. And they do all of our training uh, for our staff on that. So they have a designation called the Certificate of Excellence in Assessment Administration that recognizes offices that have achieved, uh, you know, high levels of efficiency, accuracy, uh, levels of customer service in their assessment process. And so we decided about four years ago to go for that. Uh, with the changes we had made, we decided to go for that designation. Mm -hmm. And it was a two-year process. 
almost a two-year process, uh, but we received the designation on the first try mm-hmm. and was awarded it uh, a year ago, August, at the annual conference. So we were very proud of that. Our staff worked extremely hard uh, to get us to that point, and we were one of 60 jurisdictions in the United States to receive it. So, yeah, something we're very happy about. Did you learn anything through that process that you went, you know what, now that we're in the middle of this process and we're seeing what they're asking, maybe we should be doing that differently? Mike, honestly, I'm going to say not. Okay. Uh, what We learned a lot because it required us to document every single thing we did. Mm-hmm. But we were already really four years into the process of changing things, so it was mm-hmm. time to document that anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, there were some minor things we tweaked and changed. Uh, but we had we had an outstanding staff, and we do have an outstanding staff, mm-hmm. and they were ready to make the changes. And I think the biggest thing we learned is we really had a great team that was ready to embrace this change, ready mm-hmm. to do it differently, to be more efficient, uh, you know, to excel in their field. We now there's a certification for a property appraiser's office in Florida employee. It's called a certified field evaluator, mm-hmm. and normally that's just restricted to people who appraise. I require every employee to become a CFE because regardless of what you do, you should know something about mm-hmm. what we do. And so that was a big part of this too, is every employee now, you have two years to get it. It's uh, 160, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, 160 hours of classroom uh, and then exams. And so now we require all of our employees to receive their CFE within their first two years. Mm-hmm. And that's been a big help. Yeah. We have a viewer question. Yes. Um, a question watching said that their home was originally homesteaded under her husband's name okay. and they were married. He passed away and now the same property is homesteaded under her name. Would that qualify for the tax-free exemption? It's been 30 years. The answer to that question is if the value of that home is $250,000 or less, mm-hmm. just market value, by our assessment, mm-hmm. and their adjusted gross income is less than the state limit, which mm-hmm. is right around $37,000, the answer is yes. Okay. I'm said in a married situation like that where you're joint tenants, mm-hmm. it's a joint benefit. So okay. the passing of one spouse does not affect the homestead exemption for the other spouse. Even though it changed names that it was under? Yeah, it was okay. still, it was the joint tenant. All right, fantastic, thank you. Question. Yeah, and, and I've had a couple of instances to be in the office in the last five years some deaths in the family where I've had to deal with uh, mom and dad's estate and stuff. And, and I've just walked in. Staff has always been great. They've been absolutely yeah. very helpful and very attentive. And um, uh, one time I walked in, walked out in like two minutes. The next time uh, I just happened to walk in behind enough people to fill all the, the rows up. Staff was working really hard. I think three people are like, we'll be with you. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. You, you, you're busy. I got that. I'll just wait. Yeah. I, I'll take my turn. But it, we, staff was wonderful. We, we have a great group. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a great group. And yeah. I'm very proud of them. Our, our customer service folks out front, because mm-hmm. they're answering the phone, they're processing the internet-based applications, and they're waiting on the folks that come in the door. Mm-hmm. And they do a fantastic job, especially yeah. this time of year. The deadline's March 1st, so a lot of people are coming in now mm-hmm. to file. And <clears throat> usually within 10 minutes, we have them in and out the door, and they're usually smiling and laughing when they go, which is a good thing. So. Yeah, because they're not in Dennis's office. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Dennis, we love you. We <laughs> they do a great job downstairs. They too. do an amazing job. Because if you're going to get your homestead exemption, your first stop is Dennis's office yeah. to get your driver's license, and up you come. Oh, listen, Dennis's office has been a great job for forever. They did yeah. such a good job, they even bailed out the DMV. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and Evidently. people were happy to go to Dennis yeah. rather than the DMV. So Dennis' staff's wonderful. We, I'm joking with them. but Dennis married Barbara Jean and her husband. Really? That's what she said I, in comments. I, I do oh, not wow. doubt that yeah. at all. I don't <laughs> doubt that at all. Yeah. You know, Dennis has been the, Dennis and I talked 
we were at a conference together last month, and he's over 40 years he was a tax collector. Yes. And you talk about changing to keep up with the growth. He's done it and seen it. And so that office, to operate the way it does as efficiently in a county this big, uh, you know, we're right above it, so we see it. And, you know, people he, he, move out so efficiently. He know. does a phenomenal job. His staff does a really good job. And I joke about that, right? So I'm 57, right? I was about 13. Which, so that, Dennis is going on 35, 36 years in that office is how long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, which is just incredible. I stand corrected. It was Dennis's mom that married her. Ah, yes. okay. So you've got a deadline coming up. March 1st is the deadline to file for, for homestead, homestead exemption. exemption. Yes. All right. Yeah. Excellent. So March 1st, do it online uh, or come into the office either way. And uh, we'll make sure you get we get that approved for you for this year. Okay. Uh, if you are unable to come in by March 1st, if you've had an illness or you're traveling, uh, don't let that be a deterrent. Come mm -hmm. in after March 1st. Uh, the statute says the deadline is March 1st. Mm -hmm. and the statute goes on to say the property appraiser may accept late file applications for good cause. Mm -hmm. And good cause to our office is if you qualified as of January 1st, we're going to get you your homestead exemption this okay. year. Uh, however, by the end at the end of trim, we can't do it anymore. So All right. just come in as soon as you can or go online. Which is July 1st, right? And trim ends uh, in trim September. Mid-September. Mid-September, yeah. okay. So come in as soon as you can and, yeah. and get it done. Come on, Mike, listen. I was listening. Well, you're smarter than me. <laughs> Our I'm a guy. I'm listening deficient. <laughs> Our online application is very efficient. Uh, it does take about 10 minutes. It's going to ask mm -hmm. you a few questions. It autofills your address. Uh, you put in your driver's license number. As soon as you complete it, it's going to give you a receipt number. And within three business days, you'll get an email from us either approving the application or asking for any additional information mm -hmm. uh, to go ahead and get that done. It's a very smooth process to get it done. Good. Good, good, good. And I've already put the website in the comments so Thank people you. can find it there. Um, anything else? We got about five minutes. Anything we didn't touch on that you want to talk about? Running the office, campaigning, anything at all? No, we just, uh, you know, we're very happy that uh, the team we've been able to put together and what we've been able to accomplish in the county to keep up with our growth mm -hmm. without becoming inefficient, yeah. uh, you know, without being a drag on, on taxpayer money to be able to uh, improve the level of service. You know, we have a standard in the office. We return all of our phone calls by the end of the day, all of our emails by the end of the day, and all of our voicemails by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been able to maintain that standard, both at the bank and our office, by publishing my direct number. And my direct number is 827-5520. I answer my phone. I've never had that, uh, ever, in the whole history. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We have a cell phone number. I know. <laughs> yeah, and so we all answer the phones. We all respond to our customers because we truly believe our taxpayers uh, are our customers. What's your number again, direct line? 904-827-5520. Okay. That's correct. And right. um, I answer my phone. And generally, I can help you out. But if mm -hmm. there's a complicated question, um, then I have staff that will help mm -hmm. you out with that. One other thing briefly to touch on is the ag classification in Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, if you qualify and you're producing something that qualifies for ag, that is a very important uh, thing for you to get. The deadline for that is April 1st uh, to apply, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll help you through that process as well. Uh, and ag is not an exemption. It's a classified use, which basically gets a much lower assessment per acre because of what's being produced. So crazy curveball question. Now that certain marijuana is legal. Does that fall under the ag classification? Yes, it does. Uh, 
Medical marijuana growers are ag. Okay. And actually, we have a very large one, uh, very large operation uh-huh. in our county. Okay. Uh, it's a large nursery operation that does medical marijuana, and they are a, a qualified ag because uh, it's a medical consumption product, a medically mm-hmm. consumed product. I should have asked Troy because this glaucoma has been getting much better. Yes. Yes, it has. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very, because that has just been such a huge change, right? From the yeah. time when we were kids growing up until now. I mean, that that large operation would have gotten you uh, severe jail, jail time. Now it gets oh, you an yeah. ag exemption and a license to sell. It's just a different time. It's a totally different time. And, yeah. You know, ag is an area that can be abused and it can be sensitive. So what we did year one, uh, we required every ag classification in our county to reapply. Mm-hmm. And we spread that out over a three-year period, a third, a third, a third, because uh, we didn't want any questions about, you know, unqualified mm-hmm. ag. And there were some people that were unhappy about it, but subsequently they were happy uh, mm-hmm. when the press showed up and asked them about their ag classification. So we required everyone to reapply so we could reapprove them mm-hmm. or deny them if necessary. And then we now do annual inspections on every ag property. Yeah. Uh, now some people will call me and say, this has ag. And this is not ag anymore, but you still show it as ag. And it's normally because on January 1st, it was ag. Mm-hmm. And everything occurs January 1st from us. So yeah. if it happened after January 1st, we do it next year. Yeah. So. No, I just, it was just a really kind of one of those, you said ag, and I started thinking about what's the yeah. growing agricultural product that's out there today? Marijuana. And, yeah. you know, I don't think it will be our last medical marijuana uh, mm-hmm. facility. And then there is, uh, you know, some conversation about some facilities that are starting to do uh, some hemp-based products, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, ultimately that will probably turn into some sort of, you know, could turn into some sort of marijuana-based product as the laws are loosened up yeah. over time for that. So it's a very, it, it's very, it's a wild, wild west out there. Yes, it is. It is a, it's the wild west. Yeah. Um, when you and I were in school, you got expelled for that. So. <laughs> yeah. Same sp- here. I got a whipping just for thinking about it. <laughs> expelled nothing. That was right. One of my favorite stories is I, I would get a ride home um, from my cousins that were older than me in high school. And it was either ride your bike to school and ride your bike home or ride home with your cousins. And they all smoked cigarettes, like four of them in the van. And as the freshman, I was always in the back of the van. And there was those little windows that only opened a little bit, right? You're smelling like so cigarettes. I'm, I'm smelling like cigarettes. I'm taking my clothes off on the back porch where the laundry was. And throwing them out there, praying that my mother doesn't. Because then I've got two choices, right? It's either own up to the fact that I was smoking at school so that I can get grounded or rat out my cousins and lose my ride home. It was, it was just not a good situation yeah, to be in. It was like, oh, my gosh. The absolute panic. Yes, it was like, gosh, please tell me that mom will not notice this. I never got in trouble. I never had to rat out my cousins. So. But that's a lot of stress. Air out that laundry. There's a lot of stress. I was airing out that dirty laundry. Um, thank you very much. If you've got anything thank else, you. come back and see us. Good luck during a campaign. Thank you, Mike. Thank um, you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, appreciate everything that you do. You do a great job. And like I said, we have been blessed in St. John's County to have some great constitutional officers. You are one of those in my lifetime, and I appreciate your hard work. Thank you. All right. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. We'll yeah. be back tomorrow. Is there a morning show on tomorrow? Do you um, know Amanda? Rumor has it there is a morning show. Rumor on. has it, yes, yeah. but no Van Strange. No Van Strange. No Pete Melfi. 
Ben it, Strange is soaking in an Epsom salt bath because he got beat up by some wrestlers. There's a video oh, on, on Facebook. Oh, wow. And how yep. many days do we have? Three days? Three days. Three days until Florida Man Games. So you either got your tickets and you're going to be down there or you're heading for the hills, one or the other. Drop your Florida emoji in the comments if you're excited for Florida Man Games. Yes. You guys have a great night. We'll uh, Morning show in the morning. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with trivia. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.